Hello and welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast, where we are all about cultivating consciousness in the digital age. Let's get going. Welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast with me, your host, Sebastian Sloven, and with me is guest host, co-host, Sonia Mohammed. Hey, everybody. What's happening, Sonia? Not too much, Seb. What's happening with you? Not too much. Just getting ready for a podcast here. Yeah. Podcast time. Podcast time. Okay, so today, you know what's so exciting? We have Earth Day 2021 coming up in a couple days from the release of this podcast. Yeah. I love Earth Day. Earth Day is great. April 22nd, 2021. Get ready. So with the Earth Day theme in mind, today we are going to explore ways we can enjoy Mother Earth and do it in a caring and sustainable way. Mm, that's mm. lovely. Isn't that sweet? Mm-hmm. And one of the best ways to do this that we found is by following the leave no trace principles. So that's what we're going to spend some time on. We're going to talk about Earth Day and then the leave no trace principles, also called LNT for short. And they're basically a way to, well, we'll get into this more, but it's basically a way to get out and do the wonderful things you like to do or we like to do in the great outdoors and make sure that future generations can enjoy the same kind of thing. Yeah. Be less of like a Godzilla stomping all over plants in nature. Less Godzilla, more butterfly. <laughs> right. Okay. Earth Day episode. You ready? Yeah. Let's get going. Let's get going. And you updates. Great. New updates. And new updates. Yeah, so before we get going, we've got a few updates for you. We have been fortunate to get continued press uh, and coverage of our recently released book, Experience Nature Unplugged, A Guide to Wellness in the Digital Age. East County Magazine just did a nice review of the book, and if you haven't seen it, we'd love for you to check it out. Um, and if you want to grab a copy of the book, it's in paperback and ebook format, and it's available for purchase on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Um, also, as things are beginning to open up a bit... We are starting to schedule out some retreats and day trips for the summer. Whoa. I know. I'm very excited. I love trips. And also, um, strangely, really like planning trips. <laughs> so we'll keep you updated when dates are released and when registration opens. Thank you, Sonia, for those updates. My pleasure. Great job on the updates, <laughs> I just got to say. So, okay, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So I wanted to start with talking about Earth Day. Yes. Because, you know, Earth Day... I didn't really know that much about Earth Day. No, I'm excited for you to um, share with us and me a little bit about the history because I do not know it. I did some research. It's going to blow your mind. Okay, I'm it's ready. It's actually not that. I won't go too deep. If okay. I start getting too deep, just pull me out of the Okay, uh, the abyss. The abyss. History of Earth Day. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so uh, every year on April 22nd, that's the. it basically is the, the first Earth Day. It's the anniversary of the first Earth Day, which happened in... In, on April 22nd, 1970. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Well, yeah, but what is it? A, um, like what? <laughs> Tell me more. Well, okay. So back in the day, this is the late 60s, there was a senator named Gay- Gaylord Nelson. Okay. Junior senator from Wisconsin. Got it. Um, he and some colleagues had been cur- concerned about the, t- you know, like environmental state of the United States, okay. air pollution, water pollution. Mm-hmm. And around the same time, I guess there was a big oil spill in Santa Barbara off oh. the coast. And 
they had like anti-war stuff going on at the same time. So they they basically um, this guy Gaylord Nelson and some colleagues started thought about wanting to do like a national day in the U.S. Okay, and they they wanted to really like um, mobilize the students. Cool. And empower so, and mobilize students. Empower and mobilize students. So they chose April 22nd because it fell between spring break and final exams to really get the students Smart. going. Yeah. Anyway, lots of details, but basically they put together the first ever Earth Day. And I guess they got, let's see, over 200 million people. Uh, oh, no. Sorry. I jumped ahead. I jumped ahead. That's okay. Back it up. Back it up. Back 20 million Americans. Yeah, that's still looking That's pretty impressive. good. Yeah. He said it was at the time 10% of the population participated in some way in Earth Day. Coast to coast, nationwide. People got to the streets, to the parks. I don't know. Marched for Earth Day? Oh, no. And went into like some dem- demonstrations, right? And it was all about just raising awareness, I guess? Yeah, it was, about, it was like environmental awareness. Because at the time, again, there was, you know, people were just charging forward with... Uh, industry and all that stuff and there right. was not at the time i guess not that attention on that much attention on clean air clean water, Got it. Et yeah. so okay basically 1970 and they start going from then on and then in 1990 mm-hmm. april 22nd 1990 earth day goes global and that's when they got over 200 million people <laughs> from 141 countries that kind of took to the world stage and celebrated the earth that's great. So it's a global day. It's a global day. Not just a U.S. day. Great. My experience of Earth Day is kind of funny. It's like you go to you go to parks and there's a lot of people doing like like hacky sack and slacklining. <laughs> just lining. enjoying outside. Yeah. And there's, um, there's probably organic foods for sale. Kombucha. Yeah. Balboa Park in particular has, I think, a big celebration. Usually. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing this year, but. I guess I was just less in touch with what they, what like. Earth Day was actually doing versus more just cele- celebrating hacky sacks and stuff. <laughs> That's funny. Maybe some frisbee. Yeah, it There's was definitely a day frisbee. Of, um, celebrating frisbee and hacky sack was um, Sebastian's understanding of Earth Day until apparently, this podcast episode. But apparently, no. I, okay, listen. <laughs> apparently, though, they're they're doing some really good stuff. The Earth I Day people. It. I believe it. Um. Yeah, and okay, I think cool. um, you know, I guess now today. Mm-hmm. Earth Day, I guess you're saying, uh, this is according to the earthday.org website. Just that sounds FYI. legit. Sounds legit. Yeah. I'll do it. I'll link it in the, sh- the show notes. But more than a billion people participate in some way in Earth Day every year. A billion. Wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Isn't that great? It is great. Oh, my goodness. So, okay, we got Earth Day. It's a big deal. But what does that mean to us? And I do like to say, I feel like a lot of people say this, but I say, I, I think I've been saying this for a long time. Okay. Probably since the 1960s when it started. <laughs> Every day is Earth Day. Mm. Pretty cheeseball. Yeah. Not original, but true. Not original, but true. Yeah. Nature Unplugged. Every day is Earth Day. Yeah. And I think that's the spirit of this episode is talking about how, not just on April 22nd, but how can we every day bring the spirit of Earth Day to what we do. And of course, there's a lot of ways we can go with this. We could, you know, Sonia's all fired up about sustainability, mm-hmm. well, we are in general, but Sonia in particular. Uh, you know, lots of stuff like reusable water bottles. There's so much stuff we can talk about limiting our carbon footprint. But today, we're going to really talk about 
the leave no trace principles and how that can be, they can be great principles, a great environmental ethic to follow when going outside. Yeah. I love LNT. I'm excited to talk about it. It's helpful. Um, there, cause it's not overwhelming. It's enough things to sort of keep you aware and mindful of what you're doing and also doesn't feel like, you know, a novel of rules that you have to follow to be using the earth right, right? Right, totally, totally. And I think, again, again, the idea here is like, how can we do what we love, experience nature, get outside, adventure, and travel, and do it in a, in a way that, you know, our children, grandchildren, multiple generations down the road can, can, can have a similar or maybe even better experience. Yeah, that's the goal. Is that possible? <laughs> I we'll think see. so. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so Leave No Trace. Maybe you've heard of Leave No Trace. Many people have, but maybe you haven't. So a little bit of an overview of what Leave No Trace is Great. before we jump in. Um, so Leave No Trace has been around, I think, according to my research, for about 25 years. Maybe a little bit more. Nice. Más o menos, 25 years. <laughs> and it's basically, it's an environmental ethic, and it's, you know, this is kind of a, a group of people came together 25 years ago from the outdoor industry, from land ma- the land management community, and we're kind of responding to this call to protect the, the natural lands, and that's how Leave No Trace was born. Cool. Yeah, the goal, right, is, is to encourage people to get outside and then also help them be aware of how they can do that so that people after them can do the same. Totally. Yeah. And so there's seven principles mm-hmm. of Leave No Trace, and we want to just clarify right at the beginning. We're going to go through these principles and they are, if this is an environment, this is an ethic. It's a kind of a general guide. It's not like a black and white sort of very strict rule, rule book. That's helpful. You it's won't, helpful. You won't get arrested if you don't do these. Yeah. And there's, there's some flex, you know, there's some, there's some situational dependency on some of this stuff. Sure. You and know some I mean? cultural dependency too. So, yeah, yeah. Cultural, situational, yeah. ethic, not a rule. Perfect. Okay, should we get into it? Yeah, what are they? What are oh my the goodness. Seven I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Okay, the first one, this one's really important. Mm-hmm. It's plan ahead and prepare. Yeah. Plan ahead and prepare. Maybe the most important. It's probably the most important one yeah. for many reasons. But basically the general deal here is make sure and do your prep, do your research before going into any... You know, a lot of this, these principles are framed for backcountry settings, like going backpacking or going on a big camping trip. But it can be for just a, a day trip or a shorter trip as well. Yeah. May not be as much. A little outing in the park even. It's useful to plan. Yeah. To prepare. Right. And and so this is these are things like, you know, knowing the weather conditions, knowing the terrain, having maps or GPS or using all trails, as we talked about last time. Um there are so many, uh, so many things you can do to plan ahead and prepare. I think it's um, also talking about like avoiding places at like peak use, you know, if you can, you know, so going going to places when it's not super packed, uh, and you know, so why is it important to do trip planning, Sonia? Why? Why? I mean, well, I'll answer it. Do okay. you want to answer it? No, go ahead. <laughs> Well, it's, I think from a safety perspective, it's really important to help ensure the safety of people, individuals and groups when yeah. they're out there, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you minimize the damage you do, uh, and it helps if you have a goal for the trip, like, you know, hiking a certain amount of miles or doing or reaching a peak, it, prepping, 
prepping and planning uh, prior to the trip yeah. helps you achieve those goals. Totally. And that can be just like, you know, wearing the right sort of shoes, making sure you have sun protection, bringing a snack, bringing Safe fun in the sun. Yeah. Uh, right. So it doesn't have to be these big trips that you're planning for. Uh, it can be sort of a little outing, even if it's just for two hours. If you're going to do a hike, you know, having flip-flops on would be such a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Plan ahead and prepare. That's one. Yep, that's one. Okay. Are you ready for two? Two. Camp and travel on durable surfaces. Nice. Nice. So what does that mean? It means Stay on the trail. Stay on the trail. That's a big one. Stay on the trail. Don't blaze your own trail. Unless absolutely necessary. Yeah. Again, this is the thing. It's not a strict rule. If you're on the trail and there's something like absolutely prohibiting you from moving forward, like a giant bear, for example, mm-hmm. you may need to take a different path. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so what are some durable services? These are things like, you know, like if you can, hiking and camping on things like rock and gravel, dry grasses, snow, etc. Um, you know, avoid camping within 200 feet of lakes and streams because there's sensitive riparian, uh, what's riparian? Well, it's like, I think it's, it's a great question. I think it's the, uh, flora, the fauna, flora and fauna, maybe that just flora like that, that are close to the water. Okay. Yeah. It's a sensitive habitat. Yeah. <laughs> Ever changing. And, um, Again, when you can, using existing campsites, not making your own campsite, using existing trails, not making your own trails. Walking in the middle of a trail so that you don't um, widen it. Yeah. Walking on the edges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may have seen this. You've been out on a trail and you're hiking around and there's like this little side trail that looks like it's a shortcut, but maybe a few people have gone on it. This would say, avoid that little shortcut. Mm -hmm. Stay on the main trail. Let Let the plants or whatever grow back. So that's not a little shortcut. Because then if everyone's doing little shortcuts everywhere, the trail becomes just like this wide, giant, crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we it's also worth us talking about perhaps some exceptions to this. I mean, aside from like a wild animal threatening you, right? This one I think can be hard when you're trying to balance um, the spirit of adventure and exploration, right? Right. Where, um, you know, it depends where you are. If you're in a national park or an established park, you probably want to be a little more mindful of this. Um, But if you're in your backyard or some woods, um, I think you could be a little less particular and sort of explore an adventure. In your backyard? Some people... Do people have trails in their backyard? Well, maybe it's not a trail. Maybe it's just like a bunch of trees and stuff. Like, you don't need to worry about finding a trail. Like, just go play in the trees. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think this has definitely got to be balanced with the spirit of play and not taking it too, too seriously. Right. Because then you become a rigid maniac. (laughs) Right. And that's no fun to that's be a rigid no maniac. Yeah, yeah, that's no fun. Okay, that was number two. What's that's number, number three? three? Number three, oh, it's one of the best. Dispose of waste properly. Mm. Basically, that means pack it in, pack it out. Okay. <laughs> what do you mean, okay? What, pack what in and pack what out? All your things. Okay. So, like, what if I have a Dorito bag? Oh, Doritos, not Doritos. What if I have... Doritos? I don't know why I said that. Um, yeah, you, had... would, you would take that bag of Doritos into your camping site, eat them, and then bring that bag out with you. Okay. Or and throw it away in, a, in trash you know, a trash can or it. something, if yeah. there's a trash can. Don't throw it uh, into the bushes. No, don't throw it into the bushes. This also goes for, this is an interesting thing that when I was introduced to the Leave No Trace principle, something that was 
kind of new and different to me was things like an apple core or like food scraps. Right. I was like, things that are biodegradable. Yeah, no, it's natural. I can throw it away. But I, what I learned was, what we learned was that you know, depending on the environment, an apple core could just remain an apple core and not really break down for a long, long time. And if it's not like an apple native zone, animals can eat that and become yeah, sick or like all sorts of stuff happens. Yeah. And it can be introducing and. Yeah. A new plant <laughs> into the wild. Or like a banana peel. You know, like yeah. in the desert, I don't know what this, I forget what the number is, but like a banana peel in, the, peel in the desert can last like 500 years or something like that. It's Do like, you almost so, say banana people? Banana people. That would have been great. That's a separate yeah, issue. Yeah, separate podcast. Banana people in the desert <laughs> don't last long because they melt. Uh, yeah, but that, that was really new to me also. The sort of, the things that I was like, well, these are natural, they'll biodegrade. I didn't think about the impact they might have, so... Yeah, mm. that was a new one for me too. It's also important here to talk about pooping in the woods. Yes, if you're not like in a park and there's not a bathroom. Um, We're talking when there's not a bathroom. Remote. Yeah, or if you for some reason have a crazy emergency <laughs> and have to go somewhere. Wait, where there's a bathroom? There's I don't know. Okay, I okay. So the the you may be again, listeners, you may be familiar with this, but if you're not, this is fun and yeah. exciting. Okay, if you need to poop in the woods or in the wild, yeah, what do you do? Say, here's what you do. You dig a cat hole. A cat hole is a small hole, six to eight inches deep. Okay. And you poop in there. And then you cover it up and disguise it. And you want to be at least 200 feet away, again, away from water sources mm-hmm. uh, or camp, your campsite. Okay. You, know, you don't have to be yeah. pooping right in your campsite. That's right, yeah. Or trails. Yeah. And this is, a, this is only in specific, uh, not specific, this is only in places where you, you can leave your poop. Some right. places, there's many places actually out there that are very environmentally, that are very sensitive and you need to pack that in <laughs> while you pack, pack it, it in. Pack it in your tummy. Pack it in your tummy. Pack, pack it out in your little wag bag. bag. Yeah, yeah waste bag. Places <laughs> like like narrow river valleys, like the Grand Canyon, for example. You're mm-hmm. not going to be digging a cat hole in the Grand Canyon. There's nowhere to dig really, you know? It's tough. Yeah. And it's, you know, there's a lot of people going in there. Yeah. National parks a lot of the times. Joshua Tree. Yeah. Places like that. Pack it in, pack it out. I did have a scenario when I was with um, some little kids, some five-year-olds, and in a park that had a bathroom, but there was an emergency bathroom need, couldn't make it to the bathroom. So it was good to be able to keep these principles in mind, Yeah, you know, and follow the rules that we could. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's number three. Yeah. Oh, we got to keep it going. Number four, leave what you find. Interesting. This one's hard. Yeah, this one is hard. You know, uh, this when we're talking about like historical uh, artifacts, you know, arrowheads, things like that. The kind of the or like cave paintings. If you come across some, you know, ancient cave paintings, the idea here is, ex- you know, check it out, examine it. Don't touch them. Leave them be. You know, just take like a just take a picture. Don't steal the cave painting. Don't steal the cave painting. Exactly. You know, it's the, the the idea here is leaving rocks, plants, and other natural objects as you found them. And also in, in avoid introducing, you know, new plants, new uh, things, or transplanting non-native species. Yeah. It's very important. I do think there's a, a little bit of flex here. Uh, if you want to take something uh, like fallen leaves, branches, things that have, are sort of at the end of their life. You know, they continue to give life by decomposing into the ground, but like sometimes we'll do some arts and crafts and parks and we'll gather some fallen leaves and yeah. that feels that feels yeah. okay. To I'm also I'm also okay with the taking the occasional rock. Yeah. Found a very special rock. I'm going to take this rock. Yeah. It's not this is again, we're not um 
the the leave no trace people would say don't do that right definitely don't do that yeah but we would say you know there might be a time and a place for taking a rock yeah of course if everyone takes a rock every time then we have a problem right too little rocks too few rocks <laughs> rocky beach no longer rocky rocky beach no longer rocky but yeah. now it's just sand <laughs> anyway that's the general deal leave what you find all right yes all right yes. number five Minimize campfire campfire impacts. This one's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Be responsible with your campfires. The idea here is that you want to, you know, if there is a camp, uh, a fire ring already there or someplace to build a fire, use that. Don't create a new one. Um, Put out your fire when you're done. Make sure there's no burning embers before you go to bed. Put it out with water, not dirt or soil. Soil can kind of just, it doesn't always put the, the fire out. You know, you want to stir it around. There's all these things. But yeah, basically there's a fire just, warning, don't start a fire. It's almost, yeah, yeah. Knowing where you're going, knowing the rules. There's many a time when we've camped in certain places and it, it's been high in Southern California. Been a uh, Fires are not going to happen. And it's okay to camp, you know, uh, Again, it is a, I think a very, uh, it's a special part of camping. You got your s'mores, you got your campfire, but it's not required or necessary to have an awesome experience in the outdoors. No, if you can't have a fire and you want a s'more, you can just use your cooking stove, a little propane tank. Yeah, cooking yeah, stove. You can still make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's number five. Number six, respect wildlife. That's a good one. Rule of thumb. We like the rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. The rule of thumb is... You hold out your hand. You hold out your arm at art, uh, your arm at arm's length distance. How do you say this? Outstretched, outstretched arm with your arm. thumb up, and your thumb should cover up whatever animal you're looking at completely. And then you know you're the appropriate distance away from them. Right. So if you're looking at a bear, and your thumb is up, and the bear is larger than your thumb, you got to back away. Yeah, I don't think people. Well, who knows? They may be get too close to bears knowingly, but more like I might find myself near a bunny and want to get really close to a bunny because I find them so cute. Um, but I'll only get as close as the rule of thumb allows so yeah. that I don't freak out the bunny. Don't freak out the bunny. You know, it's like it's about observing wildlife from a distance. Don't don't follow or approach them. Don't feed animals. Uh, it's also about controlling your own pets, controlling your pets or leave them at home. And... You know, this is a good one. This is a good one. Yeah. I guess there's a, you know, we were talking about this earlier, a little flex here too, because I think a lot of my old memories of catching lizards or, you know, playing at the beach and like oh, catching yeah, little creatures. Sand crabs. Sand crabs. I used to thing. catch a lot of fireflies. Yeah, so, yeah fireflies yeah. if you're on the East Coast or somewhere mm-hmm. yeah. where there are fireflies. Uh, there, I think there's a time and place for that, for sure. Yeah. Again, leave no trade. We're not... We don't work for the Leave No Trace people, so this isn't 100% Leave No Trace. Yeah. These are introducing the principles and then, you know, where we tend to find ourselves deviate slightly from yeah, them. Yeah, and I mean, I think the balance here is that, especially for kids, there's a there's a value and almost, I would almost say like it's re, it should be a requirement to interact with wildlife mm-hmm. as a kid, you know, catching little creatures. Even, I mean, I think there's a whole nother realm of like, of hunting and I'm, I'm totally for hunting when it's, when it, when it's appropriate with the numbers and in the right season and doing, you know, the version of leave no trace with hunting too. I used to do a lot of spear fishing. Um, so I'm, I'm all about it. Yeah. I think the but goal would be a like, maniac. right. Interacting with animals and trying not to traumatize them. Unless you're trying to kill them to eat them. Right. Yes. I mean, ideally not traumatizing them too much in that case too, but more like if you catch a <laughs> lizard, you know. 
make sure you release it. Don't maybe like put it in a glass jar or something weird. Um, don't pull off its tail intentionally. That sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Respect wildlife. Okay, number seven, be considerate of other visitors. This is also a very important one, yes. which we often don't, well, maybe people think about this, but it's something that, you know, a lot of the other principles are focused on, like nature. Don't, you know, be careful with nature, stay on the trail, do they do But this is all about the other people. And so it's thinking about how do I respect other visitors, at a, at a, whether you're at a park or whatever, any sort of nature space, or even just day to day. You know, this is good. This is transfers just to day to day. But remembering to like to think about you play or we all play a role in other people's experience. So, you know, it's like saying hello, making eye contact, sure. not being a maniac on the trail, like giving right, trail, right away. Trail etiquette is really etiquette. important. Like yeah. if you're if you're mountain biking, like no <laughs> know sort of what you're supposed to do when you come across other bikers horses people that sort of stuff so that it doesn't um ruin someone else's experience so it's about everyone being able to enjoy nature in a park yeah right yeah totally and i think there's music's a, you know, also a big music you know like yeah. walking around with a boom box playing music um you know may not i mean it chances are everyone's gonna like your music but it's possible that we don't you know everybody thinks they're music taste yeah. is divine but so again it's like with sound with like even wearing you know we've talked about like wearing really brightly colored oh what it was on Bright, silent yeah brightly colored clothes <laughs> um things like that it's it can be um visually sort of distracting uh, but i don't really mind that too much i i get it but the clothes thing doesn't bother me it's more the music thing that bothers yeah. me well this is an interesting thing too we can, i mean we won't we won't get way into it but then there's like a cultural piece of this where people could be like well my culture plays music and you know in the outdoors and this is part of what we do and so yeah it's like it's a challenging thing yeah i think when you're in my a, culture but when, yeah when you're in sort of a park a shared park like if you want to play music just don't blast it like make it so that you all can enjoy it but that other people have the option mm. you know if they want to enjoy it or not yeah but Great. yeah, I get it culturally, sure. Yeah. Okay. No, so, the, so those are the seven principles. Leave yeah. no trace. Again, yeah. it's an ethic. It's not a strict uh, set of rules to be adhered by no matter what the cost, but it's a it's kind of just a framework to work with. Right. And again, in the uh, with the idea of Earth Day here, this is a great way to be respectful of Mother Earth. Yeah. So that was plan yeah. ahead and one was plan ahead and prepare. Two is travel and camp on durable surfaces. Three was dispose of waste properly. Four is leave what you find. Five is minimize campfire impacts. Six is respect wildlife. And seven is be considerate of other visitors. Great summary. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my, you know what time it is now? I think I do. What time is it? New news. New news. That stands for Nature Unplugged News, if you uh, didn't know. And you, news. Sonia, you're up for new news. Yes. Um, so I found this delightful article delightful. Uh, about, well, the premise of the article isn't delightful because there is a, or there was recently a Czech Republic lockdown because of the pandemic. Um, and this focuses on zoos who are struggling to keep their chimpanzees entertained. Uh, I didn't realize, you know, that that was a thing, but it sort of makes sense. And I guess when the people aren't there visiting them, they get bored pretty quickly. You know, they like each other, but they also like seeing people and having, you know, people outside their exhibits. And so yeah, two chimps. zoos, two zoos decided to set up, get this, FaceTime play dates 
between the chimpanzees. <laughs> so they installed these big screens in the chimp enclosures and they shared a live stream of what the other chimps were doing. To, you know, so there was live screens and uh, big screens in both and live streaming. Uh, and it's it sounds like, you know, this is recently, this is a recent experiment and some of the chimps are more into it than others. Uh, but it does seem to be improving their quality of life, which is what the zookeepers we're going for. Um, but how funny is this? That's a great episode. That's a great segment for new news. Yeah. That's great. I think... Uh, is that something you would have guessed? That chimps would be sort of bored with other people? Yeah, around? I think so. It makes yeah. They're like people. You yeah. know, if you like... I don't know how isolated... They're not isolated, right? They have other chimps around, right. but maybe they get bored without the people. Yeah, there's like nothing they wanna, beyond the walls. Yeah, right I think totally. Yeah. This I really sense. love chimp. The chimp exhibit at the San Diego Zoo is like one of my favorites. They're so fun to watch. The chimps are great. They're just running amok constantly. Yeah, they're probably just sitting there. I don't know if the San Diego Zoo is probably, it, maybe it is open, reopened now, but it's probably closed for a long time. Maybe right. they can, we can get this going in the San Diego Zoo. <laughs> yeah, I'll call the zoo. Call the zoo I'll up. I'll let them know. FaceTime for chimps. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, uh, a great new news segment. And again, yeah. new news, we're highlighting fun, sort of funny, weird, strange news around nature, around technology. How to be balanced. Yeah, if you ever see something and you want to send it to us, let us know and we'll feature it. Yeah, let us know your thoughts on new news. I guess, are we going to have an issue with chimps having screen time issues in I the future? I don't think so. What if they start doing video games for chimps? Don't think Oh, uh, they could start doing it. They could. We could do a Nature Unplugged workshop for them. Right. Presentation. All right, chimps, listen up. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Nature Unplugged podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. And we're now on YouTube. What? We'd love it if you could take a moment to rate and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts and like us on YouTube. It helps us a ton. And be sure and visit www.natureunplugged.com for more information and resources about our coaching, workshops, presentations and retreats as well as other free resources like this podcast you can also find more detailed show notes on our website of course you just click free resources then click podcasts thank you so much for listening to the nature unplugged podcast and remember to experience nature unplugged bye everybody bye things change like seasons out of our control If you think you should go, I will let you go.